I'm Julie Hyde, and I believe you can't be a leader of others until you are a leader of self. It all starts with leading you. So if you are ready to be the best leader that you can be, you're in the right place. I'll be chatting to a diverse range of leaders who will spill the beans on their leadership, how they changed the game, insights into their mindset, and how they built the courage and resilience to be a modern leader with impact. Let's get into it. With me today is Brett Lilly, and he is a coach, speaker, chiropractor, and author of Athlete Within, a practical 10-step process to get you moving and keep you moving for the rest of your life. And that's what we're going to chat about today. So welcome, Brett. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. And it's so great to have you on, as this is something that I absolutely 100% believe in. So can I ask you, what was the catalyst for writing your book? Was it the fact that so many people are avoiding exercise because they're busy? It was a couple of things. It really began obviously working in a clinic. I was very chronic pain orientated, so which meant you know a lot of intense time with people. But that kind of really started to look into a lot more about how you know people live their lives through their stories. You know, people came in with pain on complaints. But it really starts, you know, the ones that were really successful were the ones that you kind of tap into their story of their world. And that's what changes them and, and gets them through and become successful. So I kind of really got interested in this, but had few of my own experiences in life. A couple of those middle-aged doors of divorce, that was a big one, painful. But then I opened another door called cancer. And Cancer was really what changed my world and changed a lot of things for me. So in a sense, I knew a lot of things, but I wasn't really doing them. And cancer really pulled me up, especially when you had a surgeon give you timelines and tell you, you know, this is how long you're going to live and things like that as well, which was quite scary. That's a big story. But it really made me stop and go in. You know, asking those questions we all ask, but really asking them. Like, why? Like, why? What's the meaning behind this? Why do I want this? And so that kind of pulled out a lot of different things. And I was speaking at one point, and uh, a person called Andrew Griffith was in the audience. And he came up to me afterwards and congratulated me on the presentation, but also said, you know, you ever thought about writing? You've got a book inside of you. And I was laughed. Didn't really think much of it. But a couple of months later, I was at a conference um, with a person called Professor Stuart McGill, who's a back pain specialist and performance expert, a leading world expert. And he was in Australia doing his final presentation. He's retiring at the age of 78. And he's always been a big role model for me through my career. And during a lunchtime, I was, had a bit of one-on-one with him. And he turned and said to me that he's fitter and stronger at the age of 78 than when he was 50 years old. Like, how could you be at 80, and he said hip surgery and injuries through his career, how could you be fitter and stronger at 80 than when you were 50? And that really, on top of the cancer, where I was already in that sort of thought process, it really triggered something inside of me and just went, I've never really thought down the track. I'm always thinking about now where I'm at, what's happened in your past, and, you know, as clinicians, that's what we tend to do, what, what sort of injuries you've had in the past and where are you now and let's work on that. 
But to really project forward was a big thing for me. And it, and it really shook me. It's like, what really changes and makes things happen in 30 years' time? Because at that time, too, I was on the cusp of turning 50, you know, one of those birthdays with a zero on the end of it. So it really, it really pushed me. And that's kind of really where I went back and rang Andrew and said, I want to take you up on that. So I came to Andrew wanting to write a book on performance. I was all about performance. It would have been very academic. And Andrew just laughed and said, it's not you. And we talked about it. We worked on it for many months until we kind of got to this idea of like, you know, it's really going to be a process book of how can people start and get through to find it themselves. And that's really where it was the part of rediscovering your own athlete within. And so that's really where the title of the book really grew from. And then the rest of it just kind of came out. Oh, wow. There's so much in that. So first of all, I'm really sorry to hear about your journey with cancer. And there's nothing like that to really help you look through life through a different lens. Yeah. So there's lots of life events that have happened for you in terms of the, the big five O and going through that journey and then deciding that you have got a book within you to get it out there to the world, which I know also just finishing that process is big and it makes you dig really deep. Absolutely. I mean, you're writing a book is is almost a self-development program in its own. <laughs> you question everything you're writing, like, who's going to read this? Is it worth it? But, you know, you really come out the other end having really condensed and consolidated those, those ideas that you started with. In our 20s, it's very external, trying to go through those achievements, successes, buying a house, getting married, cars, and, you know, accumulating things. But, you know, we kind of all go through a step, not so much a midlife crisis, but, you know, it's kind of a passage where we start to wake up somewhere along the line. So, you know, for some of it, it's just a bit of a slow awakening of realization. But for most of it, it's really a job. Something hits us and hits our threshold and says, you know, enough. I'm putting a line in the sand. Or, you know, you could be brave enough to take that. But, you know, for me, it took divorce, cancer. What's the third one they always talk about? It's financial hardship. You know, they're the big ones which shake our being, our identity. So, you know, I was going through a divorce, trying to sort that out, highly stressed. It was my entire focus was trying to work out how to get through this. And, you know, it's, it's a stressful time period. It's a lot of arguments, a lot of insecurities come up. But, you know, in the midst of a lot of that, I think I've been probably a year, year and a half through that. A couple of days before Christmas, I woke up probably 2 o'clock in the morning and didn't feel right. And I'd already been checking out a couple of things, have done some tests over the last six, eight months. Nothing had really come up. But at this point, as a clinician, I knew something's not right in my belly and took myself to hospital. And some blood tests showed my iron was terribly, terribly low. They couldn't work out how I'd literally walked into the hospital. And then a couple of days before Christmas, there's not a lot of staff on. So, you know, I had a colonoscopy done at 11 o'clock at night and MRI done at 1 a.m. in the morning. You know, a day or two later, I'm faced with a surgeon and, you know, he's pointing at this big MRI saying, you know, your whole belly is lit up like a Christmas tree. And, you know, talking about colon cancer, it's here, it's here. And he basically gave me that sentence of, you've got probably three months and we're going to be doing surgery straight away. Have you got any questions? And a great surgeon, 
you know, when he sees these MRIs and these sort of tests lining up, to him, that's, that's a duck. So for me, that was a big decision of really diving back into my understanding of health, you know, as a chiropractor and student of health over the many years, over two decades, you know, I kind of really went deep and asked myself a lot of these questions and, you know, is this it? And I really spent some time, you know, when you're in hospital lying on your back, you can't go very far. A lot of time on your own and I chewed up a lot of that time deep. I think I was just yoga, meditation, got inside deep, decided I wasn't eating a lot of food, etc. And I just went in and asked all these questions like, you know, thinking about my kids, that was a massive tug on me, thinking about why, you know, what's my life really been about for me and have I done everything that I want to do here? Am I finished yet? Am I ready to, to kind of close that curtain? And it was a big no. It was a big no. So I listened to the surgeon, took his advice, you know, went through with the surgery, but I took a lot of other things just on my own self, on my own back, and put those things into practice. So part of that learning is a big part of what that book is because there are certain times in our life we have transitions, but there's certain times in our life where we really we just need to step up and we have to make that change. We live in these big conditions. We create this story, which we live our life through this story. We've got to break out of that story, you know, pull those masks aside, you know, deal with those shadows and, and have those real conversations with yourself. You know, it starts within, but you've then got to get past that because, you know, who's the hardest person on ourselves is usually, you know, we're the hardest person on ourselves. We're so critical of ourselves if we're doing the right thing, if we did the right thing, if that person was this, that. You know, there's a big part of how I was living my life that I really wanted to change. But also the conditions, you know, the beliefs that I should be doing things this way, should be done that way. And for me, pulling myself out of those conditions was hard. You know, I had some really strong bedrock, which I believed in, which I had to really jackhammer and crack to be able to kind of move forward from as well. And for me, it was really, well, where am I going with this, you know? Here's my blueprint. Here's what I want to change. But where is this really going to take me there? And, and that was my pull. And how do I keep associating and engaging with that so I don't lose it? How does that stick to my truth, my essence inside? So, But you're so right. And, you know, congratulations to you for, you know, really busting some limiting beliefs there. But something I find quite challenging when the medical fraternity will tell you something like, you know, oh, you've got three months. There's nothing like that for someone who is a driven to go, you are wrong. Because <laughs> I really believe that mindset is a key part of helping you and fueling you to get better, as you say, to live your best life. <laughs> live the best version of you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you've got to really understand. I mean, a doctor is really specialised in one area and they are giving you, your, you know, their opinion, sorry. And that's one piece of evidence. That's one piece of information. And in a sense, that's kind of like a role model. But then you start looking at other role models. Who, who's been past this before? Who's changed things before? It's like you with your podcast. You get into even one of your recent ones about courage where it really did. You know, you, who else can I start going to talk to and and find valid opinions as well. And you start to work within and finding what your version of it is. And that's life in many ways. So 
And then you've got to really decide on what your mindset is. So in the book, I have a big chunk of mindset, you know, I guess probably because I've spent so much time really working on my own. For me, that's a detailed conversation. And mindset is integral into also how we embody it as well. It's not just here in our head, but we've also got to embody it in our physiology, the way we move. And, you know, that became another sort of link to rediscovering your athlete within is understanding how that all comes together. Yeah. So I love that. And I love that phrase, athlete within. So do you believe that we all have an athlete within? Absolutely, yes. You know, you go back to being a kid. You show me the one kid that was sitting there at a birthday party, just sitting there, just watching everyone. You know, as a kid, we're moving. That's how we understand the world. It's how we explore the world. It's our curiosity. You know, we're adventurous. We're imaginative. So, you know, we were doing a a workshop just recently and one of the participants said, you know, I've never really been an athlete, but, you know, it didn't take very long to kind of get down to, she remembered, you know, doing 18 backflips at one of her family holidays in a row to beat her brothers. And she was laughing her head off saying, you know what? I was actually really gymnastic, but I never really did gymnastics. But I really loved playing with my brothers and, you know, all this story comes out. And so rediscovering is there is a story. You know, we're tapping into what that story is. They're the moments of your greatness. That's really where your mindset and your body were linked together and you were embodying it and, and living it. There's a pattern. We can start to find those moments as you start to grow up, they were there. Like, you know, as a teenager, even as an adult going to a party and dancing, you, you're on the dance floor and you were like king. You were it, living the moment. It didn't matter what anyone thought. You know, that's what we want to find out more about. That's where the clues are. And so really rediscovering your athlete within is, you know, not this definition of a, an athlete who's elite and Olympic or on the TV like Federer. But, you know, it's redefining them. You know, what's your definition? We all have different bodies. Some of us are big and strong like bears, whereas, you know, I'm a little bit more like an antelope. I love running. I love bouncing, kicking balls. So we're all built differently and, and we think differently when we play sport. Yes, I totally agree with that. I think it's a real mental health thing for me too. I need to move every day because if I don't, you know, I can go down into the dark side of things and I don't want to do that. So I know it fuels my mindset and it makes me feel so much better. It helps people to be more present, which I feel leaders, you know, want more of today. So how does it make you be more present in the moment? Well, an easy answer to that is you can look at it from an evolutionary point of view. You know, we developed this upright ability in a brain that was massive and could really start to think. Through evolution, we've really learned how to think on our feet. It's only really through the industrial, you know, moving to farming, then we moved into industrial and then into sort of, you know, this factory lifestyle that we start to really put down time. You start time, you finish time, you have break times, we have alarm clocks. This is really when the world started to change a lot. But movement for your brain is, movement is learning. It's how we learn. And input comes in through the, the environment moving. We sense and we can see the environment's changing. So we have these maps of how the world is. 
So, you know, you open up your door, you expect everything to be in its place. But then also the other way we get information is, is how our body is moving through those environments. You know, if you're sitting and static, your brain is kind of like, and we get stuck in thought. But we've always had that kind of thing where, I don't know where this is going. We get up, we start to walk to the toilet and suddenly you get around the corner, it's like, boom, oh, that's the answer. And you run back to your computer, it's like, oh, I've got it. You had to get up to move to kind of break that trance so you could come back to it. So, you know, in a sense, that's thinking on your feet. Charles Darwin had this whole idea of evolution, trying to put all these big pieces together, living in London. But to kind of really put it together, to map it out, he moved the whole family down south to Kent. And he had this two to three kilometre walking track around his house through the garden. So every day he would two or three times go out and just walk around the track. And all he's doing is thinking. You go back through Nobel Prize winners and great inventors of 100 years ago, they all walked, they all moved, they had their dinner, and then they went for a stroll. It's, that's where they came up with their best ideas. So creativity, productivity is such a big thing in today's workforce. That's another element which we've been moving in is teaching people how to move and to integrate more movement into our day, which is exactly what you were talking about, keeping your mindset. Yeah. I know when I um, move away, when I'm thinking, oh, my God, I don't know, what am I going to write? I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> but if I go for a walk, it's like, oh, we could say this. So you see something and it's like it triggers, you know, oh, I could talk about that, I could talk about that. And you shared 10 practical ways that people can increase their movement. Are you able to give us this little sneak peek of a couple? We kind of go through a process. So it's like 10 steps where you start from, you know, where you are now, the world you're in, your reality. And as you kind of go through the 10 steps, you're really setting yourself up to win. Step one is understanding where you're at, who you are, what your why is, you know, and that's the rediscovering step. And that's really what we go through when we coach people, you know, when we do workshops. And also when I speak, that's kind of really where we have a lot of fun on live audiences as well. But the second step is transforming. And, you know, in a sense, this, there's a lot of information out there about this, you know, taking your wife further, goal setting and putting parameters in, putting boundaries in and kind of knowing your place in the world, mindset is part of transforming. There's a lot of information out there, which I just love, but that's an important step. And then the third step is more is who you become. And becoming is a big part of it. That's kind of really why we start to look at, you know, what's your PM years, your golden years, your, you know, what's longevity mean to you? And, you know, that was me, the story we were talking about right at the beginning with Professor Stuart McGill, like when he's 80, that's like 30 years ahead of where I was at that time. And it was big thinking for me as well. But, you know, my favourite three, if you really broke it down, is the rediscovering. I love taking people through the rediscovery process. The stuff that comes up is funny, but it's also tear-jerking. Like it goes deep and people really start to remember a lot of things they used to love, enjoying as a kid. For me, why? And, you know, my cancer was a big part of that. Pulled and tore me around on that. You know, why do we do things? You know, what's meaning? And, you know, life is meaning. Are you living a well-lived life? Is this the best version? The only way you can answer that is going into your why. And then my third and 
favorite one is, you know, what's your promise? It kind of, you know, came from goal setting and a little bit of Jim Rowan was something in there, some, somewhere in my deep, dark past. But, you know, what's your promise to the world? What are you putting out there and, and are you going to stick to it? Don't make a promise. You know, it's got to be bigger than where you are at the moment. And, you know, the promise is your challenge, but it's your challenge to you that you're giving the world. Yes, I love that. Commit to it. <laughs> That's such a great note to finish on, Brett. Thank you so much. And I'll be sharing all of the links to get in touch with you via our show notes. So thank you for being part of Leading You and for so generously sharing your story with us today. And just to finish, it's been nine years since that cancer diagnosis. Oh, amazing. Thank you very much for having me, Julie. I love that. Thank you, Brett.